next week I start uh, baseball. Like I'm going to be gone. I'm going to miss spring. He brings me in the office, closed the door. And he was like, uh, you, you want to be my starting quarterback uh, next year, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've proven that. Like uh, I've done a good job of so far. And uh, he said, well, you're not playing uh, baseball. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is presented by Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow, overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their businesses and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow. Well, on this episode of Beyond the X's and O's, we sit down with AJ McCarron and it's a really cool conversation. I start the show by saying, hey, I don't know this guy very well. I mean, most guys we have on the, uh, I have relationships with. Um, AJ, we've crossed paths a couple times, but I didn't know a whole lot about him. So I think there's going to be a little bit different tone to this one. I'm truly asking him questions, interested in the answers, because I don't know the answers. So it's really cool to, to learn that he was an All-American baseball pitcher um, and really had a battle between does he go professionally in baseball uh, or does he decide to go play college football? Uh, one thread that's really interesting is he actually goes back. He starts telling his journey in fourth grade. And I, and I almost wanted to stop and say, well, we don't have to go all the way back to fourth grade. We can just talk about high school. But he talks about winning four park ball championships and, and two middle school championships. And this thread of champion definitely fits into AJ's story. And uh, his presence is that as a champion. He speaks like a champion. He works like a champion. Now, he hasn't won a championship in the NFL, but who's to say he's not going to? Really interesting to hear about his time at Alabama, uh, how he, you know, he decommitted from Oklahoma. I thought that was interesting too, that, you know, he grew up seeing Sam Bradford play and saying, oh, that's what I look like. I want to play for, for Oklahoma. But he makes this really uh, great decision to go to the University of Alabama. It's not just because it was Nick Saban in Alabama. And I, I look forward to you hearing that story. Um, you know, he wins back, he wins national back-to-back national championships at Alabama. Um, they were dominant. all-time leading passer there. Uh, so just cool stuff about his rich journey at the University of Alabama. And then I really liked how we ended the show. We talk about his time in the NFL briefly, but the guys he's played with. I think about this, uh, Deshaun Watson and um, Matt Ryan and Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, like pros, pros, and lessons learned watching them. And to hear him brag uh, about Matt Ryan, the guys with now in Atlanta is pretty interesting. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Well, super excited for today's guest, mainly because of all the guests I've had, I know this one the least. Uh, most of the guests you've heard me have on, I have longstanding relationships with. Today, AJ McCarron joins us, and AJ and I's paths haven't crossed that much. So I'm as excited as you are to learn about his quarterback journey. AJ, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Trent. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So we start this way with with all quarterbacks. Talk to me about your high school experience and specifically like that Friday night lights experience. Was football the biggest thing going on in the southeast? You grew up in Mobile, Alabama, uh, St. Episcopal High School. Uh, tell me about what Friday night, Friday night lights was like for you in high school and, and your first career start specifically, maybe in that first touchdown pass. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, I started football at the age of three. I was turning four. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was uh, too big, so I had to play up with the five-year-olds. And most of my, <laughs> my friends that I, I played with uh, were older anyways. But um, getting into uh, – so from that – just kind of giving a quick background uh, first. Uh, so I, I played park ball, um, got to win three or four championships in park ball, um, went on to middle school, won seventh and eighth grade championships back-to-back years. Um, at the end of my eighth grade season, they uh, they brought me up to the varsity to kind of go practice with them and, and see how I was going to do. And, uh, and actually I, I played well in practice and they wanted me to play in the game. And that was, I, I just wasn't ready for that yet. Um, but I remember starting the first game of the year, uh, my freshman year and sat down that morning at the, uh, breakfast table and, uh, my dad had the newspaper out and I remember these two just ginormous, uh, humans on the front page of this paper. And, uh, and we were playing Carver Montgomery high school and, uh, dad was like, um, you know, those guys, I was like, I don't have a clue. Who are they? They, they play for college. Right. And he was like, that's the two, uh, DMs you're going up against tonight. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> And so uh, that that was the experience right there because uh, they were they both ended up signing D one I forget where but they were both about six four six five um, two fifty oh. I mean they were just huge and Carver was a um, higher classification than what we were uh, we were five A and they were they were six A at the time which was at that time the biggest in the state of Alabama so. Uh, <laughs> I was not looking forward to that game um, a whole lot, but um, I actually played well. We ended up losing by a pretty good bit. and uh, But from there, um, had a successful year. I think we went to the quarterfinals, uh, and we were a wing tee offense. Yeah. So here I was running the wing tee and uh, waggle pass and belly pass and everything else that came along with it. And, uh and trying to run the option, which I uh, wasn't a huge fan of. But um, so we, we had a pretty good year. Um, my sophomore year was like, okay, we kind of went to a different style offense where it was the wing tee, but it was in a spread formation. It, it was the strangest thing I've ever been a part of. But uh, it it actually, again, we went to the quarterfinals, Um and lost to the uh, Ufala, who ended up winning the state championship. And uh, and then my junior year, we won the state championship. Um, we finally went to spread slash pro style offense, and uh, we had a bunch of bunch of guys that signed D one and um, and uh, are actually ended up making it to uh, the NFL too. Wow. So um, we. Uh, and then my senior year, uh, I was one of two only returning starters on the whole team. Oh, wow. um, offense and defense, it was a um, it was a different experience for sure. But it really taught me to um, 
kind of put everything on my back and, and really learn to trust younger players and new players coming in the system and, and really helped me grow as a leader to kind of uh, teach him, you know, teach them the, the way things are done and, and, uh, and how you do it. And so, um, but yeah, that's pretty much my, uh, my high school experience right there. Uh, I got to win a state championship, so I'm excited. Well, I want to drill a little deeper on a couple of things. I want to go all the way back to park ball. So you win a bunch of park ball championships, you win middle school championships, you get to win a high school championship, a state championship, obviously, and everybody knows you as a winner. Um, did you ever take winning for granted? So I go back to your freshman and sophomore year, right? You'd only get to the quarters. You're dealing with this stuff as a young player. You'd always won championships. Was all of a sudden it kind of a shock not to actually win the championship? It was definitely different. Um, and I think the thing that made it, you know, um, the hardest for us and and a lot of my friends, you know, the tough part for me is I was an eighth grade um, starter on the varsity basketball team. Uh, I pitched in the varsity baseball playoffs as an eighth grader. So all my friends, I was always with an older crowd. Yeah. Uh, so, so all my friends were that older group. Um, and we had really all played multiple sports, grew up together. Um, so it, it actually was tough because we knew the type of talent we had um just during that whole process um like i said a, a bunch of those guys even came we played park ball together when um we won uh park ball championships and uh we did travel football and uh played in all these tournaments um back then they're much bigger now but uh back then they had a couple tournaments around the country and, and we would win those so literally that's all we knew was winning and then when you get to that point and it's like you're getting so close, but it's just not working out. Um, and we finally end up putting it together my junior year. But, yeah, for sure, it was definitely, uh, you know, gut-wrenching at, at the same time, a, a great learning experience um, for us as a collective group just to kind of figure out, all right, hey, we need to figure out how we can take this next step forward. Um, why do we keep making it to this point and then can't get past? So it was definitely a shock, um, but I, I felt like it helped our team my junior year and, and most of those guys senior year um, to really finally achieve that the ultimate goal. It's been a really consistent thread in all these conversations with quarterbacks, especially the Hall of Famers, that the dual sport um, – part of their athletic journey was a was a huge part of it and allowed them to become a better football player. Uh, you talked about pitching and, and playing on the varsity basketball team as an eighth grader. Uh, can you look back now and see all the other ways playing the other sports benefited you? No, a, a, a ton. Um, you know, one thing, so a lot of people don't know, so I was an All-American baseball player out of high school. Oh, wow. Um, and... Uh, as a pitcher and so I started at shortstop but I was ace pitcher and um, so at an early age growing up pitching uh, my dad who was a, a really good baseball player in high school during his day and um, he would never let me throw the same way two times in a row interesting 
so it, and, and it really helped me grow. I, I think that's what um, helped me in my career. Um, and it's funny because, you know, you have a, and everybody does, uh, everybody goes through, it has a stigma about him where it's like, oh, well, he's just a, you know, whether it's a, a game manager yeah. or he, his arm strength's not that. And then when I get here and in Atlanta and, uh, and the first week or so I, I'm throwing it and changing arm angles and everything. And, uh, Dave, uh, rags, Ragone, um, and he's like, dude, I had no clue that you could throw the ball like you can throw it. And uh, I said, well, it's, you know, um, it's something that's just not been listed for me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I can, <laughs> I, I can throw, I can throw off platform and everything. But I, I say all that to say what helped me is the fact that my dad told me, like, listen, however you throw it on OO count, the first pitch, like, that next pitch, I don't care if it, the first one was a ball or a strike, um, do not throw the same way. So I, I would start out over the top. The next pitch would be three quarters, but I would change my motion at the same time too. So the second pitch might be pause up here and then get back into it. Um, every once in a while, I'd drop all the way down and throw completely sidearm. And, um, and I threw all my pitches from multiple arm angles too. And when it came to football, yeah, I think that really helped me um, be able to stand in the pocket. And as you know, better than anybody, like in, in, in the NFL, getting a clean pocket's slim to none. So you, you got to be able to throw from tight quarters, be able to change arm angles. I mean, it's what Drew Brees did so great in his, uh, you know, awesome Hall of Fame career was be able to throw through windows um and tunnels in, in the pocket so um it, it yeah definitely uh baseball and playing other sports helped me uh tremendously were you drafted in baseball or was it ever a conversation of maybe playing you know pursuing baseball more than football <laughs> yeah so well so i ended up i had to call oh man i can't remember how many teams on before draft day we had to call and say listen I, i'm gonna go the football route um and just i, I don't want you to pick me and, and waste a pick um, wow. and and i had had eight teams tell me um met with us and said listen um you could be taken high and i just felt like football was just something I, I really wanted to do um, and wanted to kind of push myself in, in, in that game. And uh, and so the plan was when I first got to Alabama was, hey, I, I'm going to play. I'm going to take this first year and, and focus strictly on football because um, I, I really wanted to win the backup job my freshman year. And while I achieved that, um, going into the bye week of my freshman year before we played uh, LSU. So I think it was like week seven, if I remember correctly, and uh, got named back up. And so after that season's over, well, you got Greg McElroy returning back in 2010, and he was a starter. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to go play baseball. Like this is the plan the whole time. This is what me <laughs> and Saban had talked about, uh, agreed to. And so I, I go in his office – when uh, after football, you know, spring's close to coming around, baseball starting up, and I'm like, hey, listen, I, I'm a uh, next week I start 
uh, baseball. Like I'm going to be gone. I'm going to miss spring. He brings me in the office, closed the door. And he was like, uh, you, you want to be my starting quarterback uh, next year, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've proven that. Like uh, I've done a good job of so far. And uh, he said, well, you're not playing uh, baseball. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where that conversation was going. Yeah. So, well, I wanna, my, we're going to go to a break, AJ. Yep. But when we get back, I want to I go backwards a little bit and talk a little bit more about your recruiting journey, this dilemma of baseball, football, and then obviously your time at Alabama. Uh, we'll be right back with AJ McCarron. This podcast is presented by Visa, a network giving small businesses tools to grow, overcoming the odds, rewriting the playbook, delivering under pressure. The MVPs of small business lead their teams to victory all year long. Visa is proud to provide playmakers everywhere with more tools to help grow their businesses and help them achieve even greater success. Because the more people we can empower, the more we all win. Visa a network giving small businesses tools to grow. All right, so you touched on it, and you kind of told us the story uh, with Nick Saban, but let's go backwards. Let's go, I'm assuming you were recruited your junior year. It, was that pretty typical um, back then? I mean, I'm so old, I didn't get recruited to my senior year, and now my players getting recruited as freshmen. So I'm, I'm assuming that was when it was more traditional, really recruiting picked up your junior year in, in high school? Yeah, I mean, that's when I started getting – uh, a, a ton of offers. I got my first offer uh, at at the end of my freshman year. We went and played in a um, seven on seven tournament at LSU, and uh, Les Miles was uh, the coach then. And we made it. Um, our high school. We ended up winning the whole thing, and uh, down there, and they had teams from all over, and every team in, in Louisiana. Um, school in Louisiana and so we ended up going down there team from Mobile we're the only one we win the whole thing and uh he brought it was me Mark Barron uh a, a guy a running back named Ivan Matchett uh, receiver Destin Hood who signed uh with the Washington Nationals first round coming out of high school in baseball wow. and uh it was like four or five of us and brought us all in the office and offered everybody right then wow um, and so, and so that was my first, uh, I guess, I guess you, you could say verbal offer, but, um, yeah, it, recruiting for sure definitely picked up. Well, that's interesting after well, that, real quick before you go on, cause I, I don't want to lose this and have to come back to it because yeah. it's an interesting dynamic here. Uh, you already mentioned, you know, you were already as an eighth grader, you had been playing up with the older kids. So mm -hmm. relationally that could be awkward. I'm not saying it was, but I could see that being an issue at some point with some of your friends that are in eighth grade with you and you're hanging out with an older crowd. Now you come back after your freshman year, you go down, you're the big dog at an LSU seven on seven tournament and you get your first offer. What was that like coming back to campus? And cause there's 15 year olds listening to this and they're like, yeah, man, that would yeah. be overwhelming. Um, what was it like on campus on the weekends with your buddies? I mean, I, I could assume I'm, I'm a parent, so I could assume that being a little awkward that, AJ, the big dog, playing with older kids and going down to LSU and getting the offers. Was there any friction there, or were your boys your boys and they were happy for you? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. Um, it was tough at first. Um, and, and I should say, you know, for, for me, hanging out with older, the older crowd was never a problem. Um, 
I had hung out with my cousin. My cousin's one of my best friends in the world. And, uh, and he was like, you know, we were two peas in a pod, just wherever you saw him, you saw me growing up. So, um, I was always hanging around him and his older friends. So the, the process for me hanging out with older guys, and I've always been in, you know, my mom says an, an, an older spirit. Um, but, uh, it, it definitely did cause probably some conflict for the kids in my grade. Um, it probably, you know, uh, made certain relationships um, tough and, and hard, but I also felt like it also brought out the true people that supported mm. me and, and were actually my friends at the yeah. same time um, because they didn't let a, uh, the jealous you know, the jealousy of being able to play up um, for them affect our relationship and, and, and our friendship. So uh, it, it definitely, you know, tough for people who uh, you thought were your, your friends. Um, but I, I felt like it also, you know, uncovered uh, who who was actually there and rooting for you and, uh, and a, a true friend. That's awesome. End. Great advice for young people to take in to kind of know who your true friends are and who the guys are just hanging on to be around you to be a part of your success. All right, keep going with your recruiting. Right. So obviously it's going to be, it's going to pick up. You're going to start getting all these offers and kind of take me through this journey of growing up in the Southeast. Football is just different. I can say that being a California kid. I've lived in Texas, been around Texas 6A football. Now that I'm in the Southeast, it just means more here. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you're in the Southeast, you're in Mobile, you're going through this recruiting process. Everybody wants you kind of take us on that journey. What was that and what that was like? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I'd go back and talk to high school kids um, back home in Mobile every off season and, and spend time around multiple high schools and summer workouts and seven on seven sessions with them. And I'll, I'll go to a high school every once in a while and join in with them um, just to have some fun. But uh, I, I try to tell them like, it's literally the best time of your life. Um, I mean, these schools are paying for you to, to come on <laughs> visits. Um, they're, they're showing you the right. red carpet. Uh, it's, it, it's something that I try to tell kids, you know, I, I was, um, had a little bit of it towards the end and committed early, but man, take every visit you can possibly take. Uh, I mean, it's literally, it's once in a lifetime opportunity. You're never going to be able to get it back. And, and you don't want to go through that time. And, you know, when, when you get older and be like, I wish I would have taken a trip here um, or, you know, gone and seen, seen that school. Um, I literally, I, I really think it's the best time of your life. Um, and it was awesome. It was awesome for me. I, I remember just taking multiple trips uh, all over. I, I was wanting to stick, you know, um, in in the South somewhere for me. Um, it was, uh, I was not a huge fan just because I've never experienced, experienced it growing up. But, uh, you know, going to, uh, a place that had snow was not one of my top choices. So um, I remember the uh, funny story. So Purdue coaching staff, it was, I can't remember who was their head coach Tiller? at the time, but. Uh, was it Tiller? My, my okay. dad would know better. <laughs> we can look um, it up. That's a Google story. That even, Google I, thing's pretty yeah. smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but they came and watched um, a basketball game of mine. And it was probably my 
junior year of high school and uh and so I, I was a starting point guard and they're there watching and uh they started talking to my dad it's a couple minutes into the game and he's like uh, so mr mccarran what's the chance of uh, you know of us getting actually getting aj and uh, would he be interested and my dad's like yeah like you know um he he, he knows uh you know drew played there and uh but um he's like does it does it snow there and, and my dad was kind of playing the game up too and uh, he was like yeah and you know we we get snow uh so, oh, aj doesn't like the snow and then, and then he and then he, he dad felt bad but it was funny at the same time if you know my dad he's just goofy but uh he was like and, and to be honest coach like i don't even know where <laughs> purdue is <laughs> And so it was like halftime and uh, the two coaches got up and left. Uh, I don't think I ever got a call back from Purdue, but uh, I, I love the recruiting process. I, I just remember all the visits, like Ole Miss was a blast. Um, I, I, I definitely got funny stories for days, but uh, oh, I'm sure. But it was um, – it, it came down to I wanted to sign with Oklahoma. Um, you had Coach Stoops, you had Josh Heupel, yep. uh, and I, I just loved the offense. I, I liked how they ran it with Sam um, Bradford at the time, and and, I and you have a lot like of similarities it, to Sam. Like people forget that name, but watching the two you guys play in college, you're very similar athletes, similar throwers. So I could see right. why you could see yourself watching Sam play at Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just love the fact that they spread the ball around and, yep. and let Sam go to work. And uh, and so I was going to commit to Oklahoma. Um, I told my parents uh, the night before we had the little ceremony deal, and uh, they were extremely happy. Um, but I could tell something was off. And so they, they sat me down, and, and I, I come from – my background and history of, of our family, we come from absolutely nothing. My mom worked four jobs. Uh, I grew up in a trailer park um, a lot of my life and uh, in a rough part of, of Mobile. And my dad was a fireman making uh, pretty much minimum wage running into burning buildings. And he did three or four jobs also. Um, and so when they sat me down, um, and they said, listen, you know, we're super happy for you. Love you. Like, just know we're not going to be able to come uh, watch mm. you play uh, mm. that much. And so uh, I said, well, you know, what other places could you come watch me play? Um, they said, listen, the easiest for us is just driving up to Auburn or Alabama because um, we can hop in the car and go. And uh, or we can carpool with friends that are going to the game. And so. The next day, uh, I surprised them, pulled out a Alabama hat, and uh, decided to go to Alabama. And um, you know, the rest is history. So I, I, I decided to go with Alabama. One, I had a great relationship with uh, with Coach Saban, and uh, and still to this day, you know, um, we get along great and love him to death. But the ultimate reason was just so my parents could watch me play because I felt like wherever I went. Um, I was going to you're going to have to compete but I, I felt like my talents would uh prevail the, the hard work that I put in and um the way I go about business is uh is what was going to help me 
ended up playing. I never knew that story. It's so cool. And I think it's important. Again, one of the reasons we do, we do the show, AJ, is because I want young kids to listen to it and learn from your guys' journeys, whether you're Brett Favre or AJ McCarron or anything in between. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you follow these recruiting services and you never hear that part of it, right? You hear about right. offers and what they rank in the recruiting class and, you know, chance to go to the NFL and they sell you all the flash and sizzle, but there's reality yeah. to the recruiting process that it takes everybody to get you where you're at. Like you didn't get there by yourself. So your parents are a huge no. part of that. And right. your parents want to be on the journey with you. Uh, and I mm -hmm. would encourage a lot of young people listening that take that into account as you're being recruited. Like, it, how, what's this? How's this going to affect your family, your parents, your sister, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents? Because they all probably played a role in you getting to where you're at right now and having these opportunities for to sure. these colleges. So I'm so glad you shared that story. What a great story. And of course, we had yeah. Greg McElroy on and, and he talked a lot about going in and being part of Nick, establishing a culture there. And you hadn't gone through you're being recruited. He hasn't gone through a full four-year cycle of recruiting yet, right? You get in there in his third year. Is that right. correct? Yeah, he got there 07. Um, so 07, 08, and then I was the 09 yep. class. So as you go there, and it, you are a very confident guy. I love that in your game, and you feel confident you're going to go in there and win the backup job. But as he's building that, cult, that culture and as he's establishing the core values and as they're starting to – get back to national title, um, contending for national titles. What was that like? Like, was it a culture shock for you? Is it something you're anticipating? Had you heard stories, the guys you're going in with? Like, what was the shock and awe of going to the University of Alabama and getting the full Nick Saban? Yeah, I, really, truly, um, I, I, I never had an – I don't know why, but I never had a moment that was like a true shock. Now, I knew like it was going to be tough um, playing for, for uh, Coach um, Saban because of the amount of work that he makes you put in and everything. But at the same time, like I, I was always in – and the reason I say it because, you know, I, I brought up the, the stories of being young and having to play up. Like I always had to work yeah. extra hard. And I was always in that same boat. So, like, working hard and doing extra at once practice was over or when nobody's watching, just, like, having fun. And I, I would go throw uh, into the net. Like, I, I, I knew where they kept the net, and I'd just pull it out on the weekends. Like, I didn't feel like going out. I'd just go out there. Like, I got in trouble for staying in the building too long. So, I, I would literally just go there um, – because I knew nothing else. I, the way I grew up, like I said, um, not having any money or anything. And, and the only time we could go see a movie, which we didn't know any better at growing up, but at the time was when our, our area we lived in had a dollar, a dollar movie theater. And, um, and we thought it was the new movies coming out, but it movies that have been out for a year or two. So uh, we're, we're going there and thinking, oh, we're about to see this new movie. Um, granted, like it's been out. Um, but so for growing up that way, really, like I had nothing else other than playing sports. I mean, when we wanted to go do something, it was like, hey, let's go up to the park. Like we had baseballs, we had footballs, we had basketballs. Like we just spent all day at the park playing outside. Uh, we didn't have game systems and all that. And so it was really just 
when I got to college, and I say all that, when I got to college, I think that's what really truly helped me um, was because that's all I knew growing up. That's all I did. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was hard work, but uh, it was nothing. And the pressure that came with it was nothing that I felt like I've never had on myself or put on myself um, with not wanting to let myself down, really let my family down, because I felt like it was a chance to change our last name, mm. um, you know, changing to where not only, you know, uh, my future and future kids that I had, uh, was dreaming of at that time um, and having in my own family, but the family that that is present with me, my mom, my dad, my brother, like I wanted the, the McCarran last name to be mm. known. And, um, and that was the biggest thing for me was what pushed me is my dad would always say, um, you know, we don't give you a lot, um, but we did give you this last name and, and always treat it with respect. And, uh, and everybody that came before you with this last name and, and, carry it on and build it and make it better. So, um, that's all I cared about. And, uh, and that's really what pushed me, um, when I got to college. Well, that's huge. And young people that are, that are watching, listening, I, I will say this and AJ has touched on, if you're not playing for something bigger than yourself, uh, you won't make it like you, right. you'll, you'll get to a certain point. Your talent may take you somewhere, but you won't make it uh, where AJ's made it, where I've made it, where the guys on the show have made it, because ultimately you got to be playing for something bigger yourself. For AJ, it was the the name on the back of his jersey and his family and the kids that he now has. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, we do have to go to another break, but I, I'm dying to ask this one question because Greg kind of teased it when he was on the show. Yeah, He talked about every throw being charred at the University of Alabama and everything you do being evaluated. This is the way we do it here, too, where I coach. So I'm curious, what does a co quarterback competition looks like? You were in one, and you won the backup job early on. What does that quarterback competition look like at the University of Alabama? Yeah, it, it was um, tough. And, and the thing that, you know, pushed me also was when I had signed with Alabama, you always hear, you know, um, from, from anybody that ever doubts you is oh, you're never going to play there. At the time, they had signed Star Jackson, the class before me. Star Jackson was the number one dual threat QB in the country yep. coming out, out of Florida. Um, and uh, he had all this hype coming in and uh, and it was just something that I, I just never feared. Like I, I've always had, and it, I had to change my game a little bit as I became the starter at Alabama to play within the system, put the team first, you know, uh, to help us win whatever it took. But um, when I, when I first got there, I, I was a, like Brett Favre was, my all-time favorite quarterback. Like I, I didn't grow up watching any true team. I was never a fan, but I could sit there and watch film and, and watch him all day long. So uh, when I first got there, I would just sling it. Like uh, I, I didn't, I didn't care uh, if I thought I could fit it in there. Like I was throwing it, and uh, and, and I, I, I guess it was just a little bit of you know, uh, don't care in your system. Uh, but it, 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 I always hated it for people to doubt mm -hmm. me. Like I, I loved it, but you, but it's a love hate deal um, relationship. And, uh, and it really pushed me and really created a fire within me. And 
and it helped me, you know, even after that, because star ends up transferring the next year, I'm going in to my first year starting and they're signing the number one overall QB out of, in the country uh, and Philip Sims out of Virginia. And Philip's one of my good friends and love him to death. But here he comes in, he's the number one rated quarterback in the country out of high school. It was uh, the whole process over again. Like you're never going to play like this guy's coming in. And so it, it really helped me um, even more just, the work ethic that I had to put in and going back to my roots of, uh, you know, uh, putting in work when nobody's watching and um, helping you succeed. So, uh, yeah, the definitely the QB competition and anywhere in the country now, um, the way recruiting is, but uh, it's definitely um, something special. The uh, QB process and uh, competition at, at well, brought out the best in you because you had an illustrious career at Alabama. We get back from our second break. We will talk about that incredible career at Alabama and his time in the NFL. We'll be right back. Beyond the X's and O's is brought to you by State Farm. Just like State Farm offers surprisingly great rates for your car insurance, I want to share with you a surprisingly great moment from my career, and it came from Super Bowl 35, and it came actually when I was playing terribly. I started off the game brutal, couldn't hit anything, missed Brandon Stokely wide open on a crossing route, Jabal Lewis in the flat. I didn't have enough energy. We're at a TV timeout, sitting there in the huddle waiting for the play call to come in, and we substitute Sam Gash onto the field. And Sam Gash, my favorite teammates of all time, comes up to me, grabs me by the chest plate and says, we need your juice, we need your energy, you're not yourself today. I said, you know what, you're right. And immediately I had that spark, the hair in my arms stood up, and that was the series through the first touchdown to Brandon Stokely of Super Bowl 35. And that's why I love the journey of the quarterback. There's so many surprisingly great lessons to be learned from this unique position. And remember, whether you're a Super Bowl winning quarterback or an armchair QB relaxing happily at home, State Farm provides coverage that meets your needs at a price that fits your budget. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back with A.J. McCarron, and, and we touched on how the competition brought out the best in him. Well, you win the job. You're the starter your second year. Um, I'm just going to tee you up. I could read some stats. I mean, you're incredibly successful. You're the all-time leading passer at the University of Alabama, uh, all that stuff. But just walk me through, okay, you're the dude now. It's your show. You're playing for Nick Saban, um, that experience, uh, play, running the show for Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Um uh, it was something I'll always cherish. Uh, at that time, I, I knew we had had probably the best team I had ever been a part of um, was actually our 2010 team. Um, when I was still the backup, uh, we we lost three games that year, which blew my mind because we won it in 09. Um, and we turned around that year, and I told, I told my dad, and I'm like, this is the most talent I've ever seen on a team. Like, if people think our 0-9 team was good uh, and we went undefeated, like people don't have a chance this year. Um, and we just had games where, you know, we, we didn't play well. Um, we weren't as close of a team as we were in 0-9. Uh, mm. And you just had people that you could tell, like we had success the year before. It was like, okay, like pros are coming up, draft, like, other things are just starting to um, get on people's minds. And, and I think it's what Saban says all the time is how do you deal with success? You know, like, 
can you handle it or can you not? And, uh, and so, um, but going into 2011, I knew we were going to have a great team again. Uh, our defense was going to be great. I knew I, I would have to change my game um, because of the style of offense that we ran under uh, Jim McElwain, and I love Mac to death. But um, it, it was going to be a run-first deal and play action. And uh, and I remember Saban telling me, like, if each possession ends in a punt or, or, or each possession ends in some type kick. of kick, we're all right. Kick, yep. so, I've had to play that way too, brother. <laughs> Trust me, I know. And so I'm like – Okay, now I get it, like what I'm supposed to be doing. So um, my job was, hey, you know, we might ask you to win us a game every once in a while, but it, it, your job right now is to not, not – don't lose it. So yep. uh, and, and we had that one loss that year um, to LSU in the so-called game of the century, 9-6. to six, But – and I really – that game didn't play like myself at all. Like I, I play with emotion. It's the way I was raised. It was, you know, how I was brought up, like the, the type of neighborhood we grew up in. Like you, you just had to have a, a chip on your shoulder and have some, you know, uh, swagger about you. And so I really tried to hold that in that game. I remember a receivers coach coming to me and uh, telling me the quarterback that keeps his emotions in check and uh, doesn't let it get it the best of him this game. That's who wins this ball game. And I played that game and I'm like, and after the game, I, I literally, I told my dad, I said, I, dad was like, uh, what, what was going on tonight? And I was like, I just, like, I tried to change my game. And I, and it, it really ticked me off at the end because it's not who I was. And uh, literally after that, um, coach Saban was like, Listen, I, I don't care like how you play, just be you from now on. Oh, and uh, God. yeah, and, and it really helped me. Um, and can I interrupt I mean, for even, a sec? I yeah. want I, I want to go on a rant, and I want you to do ninety eight percent of the talking on this show. I just have yeah. to stop you there because it is not, maybe the number one thing I see uh, as I've traveled the country since since eleven, doing the elite eleven, and I was a high school coaches. Somewhere along the line, some quarterback coach read in a book that everybody has to be Joe Montana. Yeah. And I've seen it ruin more quarterbacks than help. Um, young quarterbacks, if you're listening, God wired you a certain way. Your your family has raised you a certain way. Your neighborhood has raised you a certain way. Um, there's nothing wrong with being you. The right. challenge is to become a better version of you as you grow in the quarterback position. So, yeah, poise may be added on top of fire. Right. Uh, but over time, and AJ can tell you this, he's been in the NFL for a long time. I was in the NFL for a long time. But I always use Phillip Rivers as an example. Phillip Rivers is a, <laughs> as prickly as you can find on the football field. Hall of Fame career and as prickly as you'll find. He's less prickly late in his career when he retired than he was mm -hmm. in the beginning, but he was still prickly. Nobody ever tried to make him anything he wasn't. Drew Brees, same as just a better version of what he was in college. Aaron Rodgers, cynical, sarcastic, crap talker, was that way at junior college, then at Cal. Now in the NFL, he's just becoming a better version of it. So quarterback coaches, if you're trying to get your kids to be stoic and have shown no emotion and nothing bothers them, if that's not who – that's not how they're wired. You're ruining them, not helping them. 
So I'm so glad you told that. I'm going to shut up. You keep going. I just had to interject that we may even cut this from the show, but (laughs) I could not not use this opportunity (laughs) to kind of stand on my soapbox and see the, the shrapnel I've seen by these guys trying to change who these quarterbacks are. No, I'm in a hundred percent agreeance with you. Um, and, and, and the crazy thing is, it, it's not just high school coaches. Like, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's the I've NFL. It, it happened to me. The, yeah, it I've happened to me. To the league. Yes. Um, and, and the thing that I love about being here and, and I've had great coaches, but when I first got to Atlanta, um, this year and I had, uh, rags and art literally say, listen, I'm not a QB guru. Like I'm going to give you pointers, both of us, but I want you. And it was the first time somebody really sat me down and said, I want you to play the way, however you want to play, like, however you want to throw the ball, like do it. Cause he, like I said, rags saw me and changing arm angles. He was like, dude, like I, if you turn the ball over every once in a while, I don't care. Like, I'm going to take the, what you've been showing me and how you can throw it. And in practice, like I'm going to take the good with the bad, like it's just going to come. So I think more good's going to come out of it. If you just let free and just play loose, like you've been doing. So that was the first time, like, but I've seen it uh, from high school to college to the NFL. And it's kind of crazy, but um, I'm a hundred percent agreeance with you. Bro. I had it yesterday. I had it yesterday. I did yesterday I was with my quarterback who's one of the best in the country. And we have kind of one of these either or plays, you know what I mean? We call them advantage plays. Like it's good run. It's a good pass. You kind of make the, and he's trying to get all technical with it. Well, if the safety's there. And I said, bro, so I trust you. You probably play the position better than I did. So you do what makes sense to you. Yeah. And he just kind of looked at me and was like, thanks. You know, like I, I, I am, I have the ball in my hand. I'm going to play better when I make that right. decision. I don't need to be micromanaged. So it sounds like you're finally getting to go through that and be the best version of you because you're yeah, free. Exactly. Um, and, and, and like I said, I've, I've had unbelievable coaches throughout my career. And, uh, but it, it, this was the first times, and, and you always have that, you know, mindset of you're going to play like yourself. But this was the first time in my career somebody had actually sat me down and said, hey, like, I want you to play however you, you, you think you play best. Um, and that was refreshing. And, and I told Art and them, I'm like, man, that was awesome to hear. Uh, like, I, eight years I've been in the league, I've never heard that. Like, I've never had a coach be like, mm-hmm. hey, you got to play this way. Um, you know, thank God in my career. But uh, at the same time, I had, had never had anybody sit me down and be like, listen, I want you to play however you want. So that was refreshing. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know better than anybody how many games you've played in. You definitely can't go out thinking, oh, am I going to get in trouble if I do this? Like, you have already failed before you even started so it's not gonna turn out any better it's not fun so i've taken you all over the map and i'm sorry i i've taken this show oh, off no, the rails yeah. I, everybody wants more of the alabama stuff because yeah, yeah. legendary career and, and please if you're a young person you don't just google aj um and his career at alabama again he's all-time passing leader there uh two-time national title winner um, so get back a little more. You kind of talked about 011, get into 2012, uh, 2013, kind of that journey and just kind of the players you yeah. played with. And the, now the culture is built, it's established. Uh, and you really right. were a foundation to builder, builder to what's become the greatest college football program in the history of football. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely special. You know, um, after we had won it, uh, well, leading back to 2011, like leading up to the national championship game, we had that back in the day, the young kids don't know about it anymore, but back in the day, you had about a month off before you played in uh, the national championship or, uh, you know, uh, January bowl game. And so, we had like 36 days off and we're starting practice back and everything. And Saban had come to me and said, listen, this, this championship game, like we're putting it on you. Do you want it? And I was like, I, I, I've been wanting this all year. Thank you. Let's go. And, and we literally like the, the whole plan, the whole game was first down, second down, like we're, we're slinging it. Um, we're going to get them in one-on-one opportunities and we're going to take advantage of it. And, uh, uh, who was the coordinator? Um, Chavis, uh, at LSU first name, but Chavis, I think was, yeah. 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 It was Chavis, but I just, um, but so we knew like we got in certain formations, slot formations, um, they always went, went do they bring corners over? So you know it from the snap. Yep. Right. You knew it from snap. So, uh, I was literally like, we were just taking advantage of it. And I had, I played, uh, one of my best games. And then, um, I told my dad though, leading up to that game, I said, listen, we're going to, we're going to beat LSU by 21 points. And he said, you lost to him during the year. <laughs> like, how do you think you're going to beat him? I said, we're going to beat him by, by three touchdowns. I promise you. And you know, it, my dad thought I was, I had made a, a deal with the devil at the time, but we, we went twenty one yeah. nothing, and uh, and so going into my junior year, I knew we were going to be uh, even. I felt like even more talented on offense. Um, defense was we we were going to lose some key players, uh, but offensively, um, we were going to be able to open it up a little bit more. Um, during that time of, of Saban's era, was uh, quite a bit, and uh, we had. Uh, Doug Nussmeyer coming in as an OC, and uh, and so Nuss's background being in Washington uh, with Jake Locker was, you know, it's more spread. They were going to sling it and everything. So um, I was excited, but uh, going into that year, I mean, we we were on fire, um, played well, you know, had had the uh, close game against LSU, turned around the next week, lose to. Uh, Texas A&M with uh, Johnny Football and um, ended up clawing our way back to uh, play in the SC Championship game um, and then play Notre Dame and I remember and I have buddies that played on that Notre Dame uh, team that we played in the National Championship but I remember turning on uh, the film during that long break and I probably should no, say I know, I know exactly what you're going to say because those of us in the football community saw the same film and we were like, uh-oh. So, so I, t- I turned on, uh, they played Pitt that year in a triple overtime game uh, at, at Pitt. And Pitt might have been one of the worst football teams I had ever seen. And the fact that they went into triple overtime, I, I told my dad, I said, we might beat, beat uh, Notre Dame by 42 points. And he said, he said, all right, listen, I, I thought you were nuts last year. Like you're absolutely insane this year. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's not even going to be close. 
and uh, we ended up beating them what forty nine yeah. fourteen or something like forty two fourteen, and um, and, and my dad again was like. Like, who are you making a deal with? Like, like, nobody. I just literally, like, turned on the film, and that was uh, – I knew um, they were in trouble. But – and then leading into my senior year, man, I, I, I wish, um, you know, it, and, it, and, it, and it's a little bit of – you can put it on the older leaders, myself and, and other guys, but um, my senior year we were talented again. Um and, and heck, we're I think you know one second away, uh, kick six against Auburn, uh, winning uh, three in a row. I mean, we go on. If you win that game, you play Mizzou uh, in, in the SEC championship. You beat Missouri, I think, pretty bad, and then you chance to play Florida State in the national championship. Which heck, I mean, Auburn was beating them bad, and then at halftime, it, they came out second half and totally changed their game plan. But um, it seemed like, but, and I, it, we were literally one second away from, uh, from possibly going for a three-peat and, uh, and that would have been really special, but I, I literally, I can't complain about my time. I, to win back-to-back three championships total, um, two as a starter and, and, and then those being back-to-back was just, uh, something that literally it, it helped change, you know, my ultimate goal. Um, and the reason I, I went to Alabama and, and started football or seriously started to um, engage in football and, and take it to another level was to change my last mm. name. And, uh, mm. and, and I felt like um, going there and achieving and working hard and, uh, you know, just achieving everything we did um, definitely changed the McCarran last name and, and helped it helped it be known um and and that's what makes me happy and and just proud um that even for my boys like I, my, my oldest plays t-ball and uh and he loves copying the same number that his dad wears and um and seeing the last name on the jersey it's just uh it's special and uh and everybody knows like when he goes up to the plate you know, back home was, Oh, that's, that's AJ's son. And, uh, so it's, it's awesome. And it makes me very happy and, and proud to, to know that I helped, uh, and, and it's not just me, but helped achieve, uh, a, a part of the whole team, my team, family, everybody that was part of the whole process, um, that we achieved it all together. And, uh, and it's special. Oh, that's incredible. I'm so glad you shared that. We'll finish your time with this. I do want to be respectful of your time. You, you talked about this really early when you were talking about um, how you grew up. Mm-hmm. And you actually said this term, the, the work when nobody's watching, right? We call it the lonely work. You don't get celebrated for it. It's not posted on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you know, all this stuff right. that we kind of as older guys look at and roll our eyes at. I want to take this a little bit different direction. Um, you've actually played with some pretty incredible players in the same quarterback room, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Deshaun Watson, Andy Dalton. I mean, these guys are pros. pros. Uh, um, Have you noticed, and this is your kind of time to put a bow on this conversation and and talk to the young people, like what is the commonality between these guys? It's not just talent. It's, it's, it's it's kind of what you talked about. It's, it's this lonely work. It's this, it's all that. I'm not going to put words in your mouth. What is it? I I, I literally think it's, the daily grind 
Mm-hmm. Like just just the amount of time. Like for instance, you know, this year the amount of time that Matt Ryan puts in, like it. I, and I I never knew Matt going into this, but uh, the amount of respect that I have for him, um, his game. One, he's just first class um, person, uh, awesome friend. Uh, but to see the amount of time that he puts into his craft, um, because you're always trying to master your own craft, which nope. you're never going to really achieve. But because once you achieve one goal, it's, oh, well, I can get better at this. And so, like, you're never going to master it. But the amount of work he puts in to his craft to try to master it, um, it he, he is special. And, and every guy that you mentioned, every guy that I've played, I've been a part of in the league, Andy, um, Derek, uh, D, uh, Deshaun, like, um, they're all good friends of mine. And, uh, and it's unbelievable. And it's just awesome to see the success they have, um, knowing the type of work that they put in behind closed doors. And, uh, especially when there, nobody's posting on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and, uh, yep. and filming yep. it, yep. that's the hardest time. Yep. It really is. I appreciate your time, man. I, I've enjoyed this so much because, again, like I started the show with, I don't know you. We, our paths really haven't crossed. Um, I've admired your career. I've admired how you conduct your business. I like your fire, man. I love, <laughs> always loved uh, your fire. So keep being you. Uh, good things are ahead of you. That's the other thing, audience, you need to understand is AJ's in his eighth year. Um, now the quarterback position, you can play for 15, 20 years. Yeah. So you haven't heard the last from AJ McCarron. Um, he, he's going to be a player in this league and I'm excited for your future. And thanks for spending time on beyond the X's and O's. Of course, Trent, I, I appreciate it, man. It was, uh, an honor being on and, um, you're definitely somebody that I, I looked up to watching you play during, uh, your time in Baltimore was, uh, unbelievable. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks again to AJ and his time. What a cool conversation. And thanks again to our friends at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.